So this is uh, almost Christmas time. Anybody excited about Christmas Day almost being here? Nobody. Nobody's excited about Christmas Day. Awesome. Cool. Um, I, I'm getting excited. Uh, I'm excited to see. Um, I, I maybe a little, you know, materialistic. I mean, I'm kind of excited to see the gifts that I'm that I get. Anybody else excited about the gifts they they're getting? Uh, last weekend was uh, the, the parents not out, and so. Uh, Jojo picked out gifts for everybody. So I'm really anxious to see what my two-year-old decided was a good gift for me. Um, you get the same thing every year. Huh? You get the same thing every year? No. 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 It's not the same thing. It's similar, but maybe you're the kind of person who provides a very maybe like precise list uh, of gifts that you like to receive. Anybody that way? Maybe when you're younger, you're like, "Here's my Christmas list. Do not deviate from it." Anybody? No. Except I was, you know, when I was a kid, I I, I was I was that kid that tore out a page of the J.C. Penny catalog when I was a kid, and I walked. It had Ghostbusters stuff. I was a huge fan of Ghostbusters. Anybody seen Ghostbusters Afterlife? Oh, trailer yet? I'm pretty pumped. Anyways, and so, and so I, I had this, this little piece of paper from this catalog that had all the Ghostbusters toys, and I carried it everywhere I went to the point where my mom actually went and got it laminated so it wouldn't, like, fall apart. That's just, I, I, I want these Ghostbusters toys. This is it. This is all I want. That's how I was as a kid. Like, I was showing everybody, hey, here's, this is it. If you're going to give me a gift, give me one of these. That's how I, that's how I was. Or maybe you told, maybe you got the kind of family who sticks to the basics for Christmas, like uh, socks and clothes and shoes and gift cards, maybe a sweater or whatever. Or maybe you love being surprised uh, on Christmas. Uh, maybe it's your dream to open a box and be completely surprised um, by what's inside. If you like surprises, uh, I want you to keep in mind that not every surprise uh, is guaranteed to make you happy, much like in this video.
worst Christmas ever. That was from uh, some videos of Jimmy Kimmel. He tells parents to go give the kids the worst gifts and record it. So this is a, this is a few of those. He's done it for a few years now. And so those are just a few of the worst Christmas gifts that these kids have gotten. You saw the iPad I got Jackson, right? Yes. Something like that. Yes, I bet he, he, he loved it, I'm sure. The Christmas my brother turned eight. My brother was older than I was. So the year my brother turned eight, uh, my grandma had got him some tickets and, and for, to, for Disneyland. And uh, she sort of took him to Disneyland. She said, all right, whenever you turn eight, Ryan, we're going to go to Disneyland. So uh, on, on my eighth, where I, I was eight years old, it's Christmas time. Like, we're at my grandma's. I'm getting pumped. I'm getting ready. I open it up. And uh, this is what was inside. Oh, it's on it. Where? I don't know my picture's under there. It was a box of kicks. Cereal. Yeah, there we go. This, this, that, that's what was my gift. Not a trip to Disneyland, like my brother got, but a box of cereal. Uh, I was not, I was not very happy. Um, and so, uh, I'm, I'm still waiting to go to Disneyland with my grandma, and I'm way past eight. Twice. I've, tw I've hit eight twice now, and I still haven't gotten tickets to Disneyland. Huh? I'm 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 eight and three four, so I'll be nine or thirty six in uh, February. Thirty six. I, I thought you were like forty. Why? Well, thank you. <laughs> I thought you were like twenty eight. Thank you. I appreciate it. So, anyways, I don't I don't know if you'll get any surprises when you open your Christmas presents this year, uh, but if you do, I hope it's the kind of surprise that makes you rejoice uh, instead of burst out in tears. And, and, and yell at your parents, kind of like some of those kids did, or maybe I may have a grandma. Um, there's a tradition that many Christians observe at this time of year. It's not so much happens in, uh, in Baptist circles, um, but there's something with what's called the Advent wreath. And each candle in this wreath represents a different uh, week uh, of the Advent. So if we were to actually light the candles tonight, we'd light two of the purple candles uh, and the pink uh, or rose-colored candle. Uh, that candle represents uh, Godet Sunday, which Godet means rejoice. So when you hear the word rejoice, uh, what comes to mind? When you hear that word rejoice, what comes to mind? When, when, when might you see someone rejoicing? When they get a new car. Get a new car when they're happy? When the Cowboys ever win? <laughs> He's, don't, he said it, not me. Looking like you're going to kill me or something. Pretty much the same thing. All right, what else? When, when, when you, what comes to mind when you hear the word rejoice? Joy. Juice. Juice. The word play there a little bit. All right. Joy juice. Joy juice. We probably shouldn't be drinking joy juice. If you're joining us for the first time during this series, um, it's only the third week of Advent, but the third week of the conversation that we've been having about what this season. Uh, is all about. Uh, in this first, first week, last, we talked about it last week. We talked about how to get ready to receive God's gift. And the gift God gives to us isn't a thing, though God gives us a person. And that person is who? Jesus. Jesus. Sunday, we talked about how you can share God's gift with others, uh, even if you're not sure you're the most qualified person for the job. Brandon and I had lunch today, and he shared with me, they shared with the high school guys, anyways. That the only qualification you need to have, the only thing you require to, to share the gospel is to have your own story. 
that you have your, your own personal walk to share with somebody else. That's, that's really all you have to be qualified for. That's it, having your own story to be able to share. So this week, tonight, we're going to talk more about uh, that gift that God has given to us and why that gift of Jesus causes so many people uh, to rejoice. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3 is where we'll be. And so last week we talked about how ordinary people like you and, and, and me were responsible for sharing the good news of Jesus or, or God's gift to the world all over their communities. And these people, they were not experts, uh, but they were so impacted by what Jesus said and what Jesus uh, did that they just had to tell somebody about what he did. We also talked last week about what the, the guy's name we talked about. New Testament dude figure, kind of weird. He he uh, ate locust honey. John the Baptist. So we talked about John the Baptist, who's a prophet. Um, how he shared the gift of Jesus with other people. Uh, John came onto the scene uh, right before Jesus began his ministry and his teachings. Kind of came as someone who prepared the way for Jesus and prepared people's hearts for what Jesus is going to tell them. So unlike the ordinary people who shared the news of Jesus with others, uh, John was not exactly what you'd call ordinary. We looked at him a little bit on Sundays. He's kind of a weird dude. Uh, so he didn't look very ordinary. He lived in the desert, wore clothes, made a camel skin. He ate bugs, not typically things that you see every day. But beyond his appearance, John's message was not a very ordinary message. Uh, the things John preached were extraordinary. So we're going to be look at one of his messages there. In Matthew chapter 3, we're going to start there uh, in verse 1. It says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist. And his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Do not presume to save yourselves. We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. All right, so why, why was John's message so extraordinary? Here's just a couple reasons here. First, John was claiming the, the thing Israel had, had spent hundreds of years waiting for was finally here. They had been waiting for peace and for a Savior who would change everything. And according to John, that hey, he, he's here. The guy who comes after me, we read that part. He who comes after me, I'm not worthy to carry your sandals. That was pretty huge news for these guys. The second was, the news was surprising because of uh, who God's people were expecting. Uh, they knew that a Savior was coming. That's just prophesied all throughout the Old Testament. But the person they were expecting was, was a powerful king 
uh, an important political leader, not uh, someone who would be announced by a guy from the desert who eats bugs. They thought he was going to be some guy who was going to come in and overthrow the Romans and just kind of kick butt and take names. That's kind of what they thought this, this Messiah was going to be. If you, if you read through the history of the, of the Jewish, pe- Jewish people, in time between the Old Testament and the New Testament, you'll see many different people rise up to, uh, to claim to be the Messiah. Uh, one of the more prominent ones probably is Judas Maccabeus. Anybody ever heard that name? Judas Maccabeus. Anybody ever heard of Hanukkah? That's Judas Maccabeus and his boys fighting. And a lot of people try to make him the Messiah. I don't know if he ever claimed it himself. A lot of people try to make him the Messiah. And third thing, John was telling people to change the way that they lived. He told them to prepare their hearts, start acting differently, and let the coming Messiah, uh, who, who he was about to reveal as Jesus, change their lives. So those are, that's kind of some of, the, some of the few things that was so extraordinary uh, to, to those hearers who heard him <coughs> speak. So the religious people of the day, uh, like the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they, they weren't big fans of the things John had to say. They believed that in order to get God to accept you, you had to follow the rules, both God's rules and then the very strict uh, rules that the religious leaders had created. And that they had everything figured out when it came together. Like, hey, we are the expert. We know God. We know what he wants. Listen to us. Do what we say. And you're going to be good. That's what they were telling everybody. And uh, the religious leaders did not believe the message of John the Baptist. So they created a, a, a stir that got John thrown in jail. And you can imagine uh, how much of a downer that was for John. Uh, but while he was there, John got some good news. So turn over to chapter 11, same book, Matthew chapter 11. We're going to be in John chapter 11, just as, or Matthew chapter 11. Sorry, Matthew chapter 11, just a minute. But John heard of all the great things that Jesus was doing. And how Jesus' ministry truly was a fulfillment to the prophecy that he's been delivering. And the message that God had, had asked John to share with others was coming true. So I don't know what was going through John's head uh, while he was in prison. Uh, maybe because of his imprisonment uh, and, and torture and impending death, maybe he needed some reassurance uh, that Jesus was who he said he was. Maybe he was still a little surprised that the Savior of the world was his own cousin. So John asked his disciples to go talk to Jesus and to make sure that he was the Savior that John believed him to be. So we're going to read in Matthew chapter 11, starting there in uh, the first verse. When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up. And the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. So no matter how certain John probably felt about the message that he was preaching for, for so long, I'm sure the news that he hadn't been mistaken was still probably a little bit surprising. The news was so good, you know, almost too good to be true, if you will, that maybe John couldn't help but be surprised to find out that it really was true. And so Jesus tells John's disciples that John was right uh, all along. Uh, now that he, the Savior, was there and it's time to rejoice. So the coming of Jesus was a, was a surprising gift from God 
that caused people to rejoice. But God's surprising gifts didn't end there. And along with his presence, the hope of Jesus is the promise that the blind will see, the lame will walk, the sick will be healed, the dead will be raised, the poor will receive good news. So the, the surprising news of Jesus was that God isn't impressed by our ability to follow rules or be good people. Jesus came to change everything. He defied customs, he defied expectations and rules. And, and I mean, look at some of the stories, even the laws of the universe, uh, to miraculously change everything. So God's gifts can be surprising. Because they are surprising, they cause us to rejoice. The gift of Jesus was brand new at the time of John the Baptist, but the arrival of Jesus is not the only thing that makes us rejoice today. We also celebrate his work in us and in the world today. So Jesus promised to bring healing and salvation and love into the world. And those promises were fulfilled in his arrival on earth, uh, but the cool thing is they continue to be, be uh, fulfilled today. Even after Jesus let, uh, left earth, he continues to heal and save and love us in so many ways. Uh, this may be a kind of weird connection to make, but the work Jesus does in us kind of reminds me of what happened to the Grinch. I made that movie a while ago. Some of you guys like the animated. Some of you guys like the Jim Carrey. I'm not going to argue right now who's who, which is, you know, which is better. But if you're not familiar with the story of how the Grinch stole Christmas for some reason, let me fill you in. The Grinch was a bitter, angry, lonely outcast who lived just outside of a town called what? What's it called? Whoville. Don't forget his dream. He was a dream. And so where everybody just loved Christmas. But because the Grinch was angry, he tried to ruin Christmas for the people of Whoville by selling all the things he thought mattered to them. The presents, food, and just the, the fun of, of the Christmas holiday. And on Christmas morning, the Grinch looked down on the city, expecting to hear cries of grief and anger. But instead of hearing the entire town singing and being happy. So the people of Whoville knew that Christmas was about more than presents or stuff. It was about something a whole lot more. And so when the Grinch saw their, how their lives had been transformed by love, that, you know, his, his life changed too, right? And yet his heart grew three times too big. There's no mention of Jesus in this movie, right? But this is the kind of life change that Jesus continues to do in us and through us today, right? So God people thought they were waiting for an earthly king or political leader to save them. But the Savior they got was so much better than who they were expecting. Jesus didn't just come to make political changes in the world. He came to make changes in our lives. And he can heal us of our bitterness, our anger, our selfishness. He shows us that we're loved. He helps us find peace. He changes our lives from the inside out. And that's a reason to rejoice. This week, I hope you let God surprise you with the gift of Jesus. I don't know how Jesus wants to show up in your life right now, but I know he wants to. Just like he came to change everything 2,000 years ago, he's still changing everything today. And that is a reason to rejoice. We need to remember to, to rejoice, you know. So this week, what if something, what if anytime something good happened, you rejoiced? Like you got your bag from Whataburger, and in the bottom there's some extra french fries. Anybody ever excited about that? Those baglers? I'm always excited about the baglers. Yeah. You know, we got rejoice with something like that. You know, get a day with no homework, rejoice. Your mom makes your favorite dinner, rejoice. You know, can you imagine how your heart might change if you thank God for the small things you've been given each day? What if something disappointing happens or you have a bad day? 
What if you think, I can't find a single thing to rejoice about right now. I've been there, trust me. But here's what I've learned. Even when everything is awful, there is always a reason to rejoice. Even if all you can manage is, God, thank you that tomorrow is a new day. Uh, Or thank you for how this pain is going to make me stronger. I want to encourage you to rejoice. So can you imagine how your heart might change if you thank God, even when the last thing you want to do is rejoice? Maybe you need to help someone rejoice. There might be someone in your life right now who is struggling to find a reason to rejoice this Advent season. Maybe God wants to use you to surprise someone with a reason to rejoice. Uh, Maybe you can surprise someone with an actual gift. Uh, Maybe not a gift card or anything, but maybe you can do something to serve or encourage or to love them. Or, you know, uh, your your siblings have chores. Maybe do a chore that your siblings normally does. Do it for them. Write a letter to your parents about how much you appreciate the sacrifices that they made for you. Bake or make something for a friend of yours that you know is struggling. If someone on the street asks you for money or is in, their need, is in need of charity, spend time getting to know their name, where they're from, and what their story is. I'm not asking you to spend a ton of money or to do something elaborate in order to give someone a reason to rejoice. If they ask why you did that for them, just, just let them know that you know what it's like to receive an unexpected gift. And that the love of Jesus has changed you from the inside out. And that's the kind of gift worth celebrating and making part uh, of your Advent tradition. There's all kinds of ways you guys can, can remember to rejoice and help someone else rejoice. Because uh, Christmas isn't always easy for everybody, right? It's not always fun and, and just full of joy for everybody. So maybe you can help someone find a different way to rejoice uh, this season. God, thank you for this, uh, this opportunity just to get together with these students, with these adults. To dig into your word and to uh, just see that we have a reason to rejoice, God. That unsurprising gift of your son who wasn't what everybody wanted, God, but it's what we needed. God, may we be willing to share that gift with others. And that we don't hold it in. God, we know the joy that you've given us. And help us just to share that joy with other people who, who desperately need to hear from you and just to rejoice in you. I pray for the next um, 15, 20 minutes when they're in their small groups where they just need to dig into your word. Continue to grow and just to, to see how important it is to rejoice in the gift that you've given us. In my prayer. Amen.